Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. In the midst of my brain being weird and having all these negative things, it's like Rain Man or something, right? Like it's you know hard to be Rain Man, but you can count cards in Vegas. Like <laughs> there's a, there's something to be used, and if you can find that place where your limp can can actually help you. Um, there's some there's some positive to the other side of it. Mark Clark is the senior pastor of one of the largest churches in Canada. His story is one of living with a physical disability, overcoming a challenging childhood, and how he led his congregation through the challenges of a pandemic era in a largely lockdown country. Welcome to Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was Derek. a golden boy. And all we can do right now is come Extreme together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. This is Life Support, hosted by Pastor Paul Johnson from Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. My name is Steve Johnson, director of Five Stone Media, a co-sponsor of this program. And our goal, as always is to use story to bring hope and healing. And now let's join the conversation with Pastor Paul and Pastor Mark Clark. Hey, glad you've joined us here on Life Support. What we do here is we tell stories to help find a deeper relationship with Jesus through suffering and trauma and trials and different difficulties that God sends our way. And we want to encourage you today that God is working in your life. And I have a very special guest with me. His name is Mark Clark. He's the pastor of Village Church in Canada, which has been exploding over the last 10 years. He's also an author. And Mark, thanks for coming back. We had a, a great chance to talk last time, and you were telling us about you know, your background, how you came out of this, this uh, non-believing home in Toronto, and you, you, know, you have Tourette's, and you're struggling with that. And now here you are planting a church in an area that's pretty... Uh, I would say secular, as I don't know if that's a good term, unchurched. Very much so, yeah. Yeah, and and if if you're not familiar with Canada, the 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 western portion of Canada, Vancouver out into the islands, is very very uh, you know unchurched. And so here you are now, you're venturing out, and you have overcome so much. So how did this this disability, I call it, I guess, of Tourette's that God has been using? as you said, because you're unusual and you're doing things that people haven't seen before and your your filter isn't like everyone else's filter, which for some people that was too much, but for a lot of people, they looked at you and said, finally. So how did how did all that play into, now you got to grow the church. Now you have a whole new set of problems because now you have to really be a leader, not just a preacher, right? Yeah, I, you know, which, which obviously it's a whole other world. So you know, when you're planting a church, you got to be the social media guy and make sure the kids curriculum is fine and make sure the aesthetic in the room is fine and make sure the sermon's okay and blah, 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 blah. So, uh, well, I, the church that we came out of, which you were leading at the time, gave us, you know, probably 35, 40 people and said, take these people and try to pull off church. Uh, and so we tried to find a few more than that and uh, launched with, I think, 50 people. And uh, yeah, I think to be honest, and I, you know, I don't know if you, you explore this a lot, but I think there's, I, I think part of your story um, is there are certain things that suffering or difficulty or the squeeze, you know, first Peter chapter one, 
refines us and, and creates in us. And it's like, uh, you know, there with my disability, there, there's some positives to it. Not a ton, but, but I think my brain works in a different way, um, maybe because of the wiring or the obsessive compulsive or whatever it is. Um, I can, uh, I can think very quickly. I, I have probably a 50% uh, photographic memory. I can, you know, deal with a lot of different things at once. And, and yet I have, uh, I learned how to play the social game because of my difficulty pretty early. And so, you know, Dale Carnegie right off the bat, right? Like people find people interesting when you're interested in them. And so I learned very quick, let's ask, let's ask, I'm a very curious person. So all of this stuff kind of compiled to successfully being able to juggle all these balls at once in the midst of pressure and stress. And uh, I think that in the midst of my brain being weird and having all these negative things, it's like Rain Man or something, right? Like it's, you know, hard to be Rain Man, but you can count cards in Vegas. Like <laughs> there's, a, there's something to be used. And if you can find that place where your limp can, can actually help you, um, th there's, some, there's some positive to the other side of it. And uh, I don't know what that is for your listeners necessarily, but there's something God can take out of that and, and use in a special way. Um, and so, yeah, we were talking about the permission it gives to people. Or I remember uh, my uh, online pastor the other day told me a story that's actually, you know, kind of funny. So I was, spe uh, what was it? I, I've kind of spoken all over the place and but for the last uh, just a year and a half, we haven't, you know, I haven't gone anywhere. I've been locked down in Canada. You know, it's, it's funny, like Canadians and Americans are very different, right? Like can, can, Canadians are like, okay, government, you tell me when I can leave my home, you know, and Americans are like, screw the government. I got yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So we've been kind of locked down waiting to be told, you know, what we can do. And uh, so Anyway, so we've been obviously online and, and over that time we've done online church and we've collected all these people from, from the United States, from Europe that, that ident they say village church is my home. And so this one girl, she, you know, said village church is my home over the course of this year. And she went through the membership class and she said, uh, during her membership interview, she said, you know, uh, I, I wasn't in church for a while. She said, I live in Seattle. I, you know, wasn't going to church. And I finally decided to go back to church like a couple of years ago. So I walked into the church and I'm sitting in the, in the auditorium and um, there's this guy in the back row and he clearly like he's homeless or something, something's up with him. He's, you know, he's kind of odd. he's twitching around. He's he looks odd while we're singing. And she says, I, I had a heart to go talk to him because I'm a very inclusive person. I want people to feel included. So we're singing. She's like, I got to go talk to this homeless, crazy guy in the church. I got to make sure he feels welcome. And so, hey, I got And then the next song goes, she goes, okay, this is the time. Before that could happen, the pastor gets up on stage and says, hey, everybody, thanks for coming. I want to introduce you to the guest speaker. And it was the guy twitching <laughs> in the back. And it was me. All right, literally, I'm the homeless twitchy guy in the back who she wants to welcome to the church, you know, and I'm preaching. And she said, that was my introduction to you. And then I started watching your stuff and I realized God can use messed up, broken people, you know, to do to do things and uh, in, in a positive way and, sh and shine. You know, it's kind of like, Paul, it's like that Ephesians 5 image where your marriage is a picture of the gospel. 
you know? Um, in a similar way, it's like our brokenness can be a picture of the gospel. It's like God uses me, not because of me, but in spite of me, because he is good, not because I am good. And, uh, and I think that's just, you know, given people a lot of ability to go, okay, I want to rally behind this, this gospel message. Yeah, that's, that's really good. And for me, the, the two really big events in my life were losing a wife and then losing a son. And coming out of that, you know, you're never really the same, which is the point. Because God doesn't want you to go back to being the same. He's got a purpose. He's got a plan in that. And so not only do you become more empathetic toward others that are going through that, but you begin to live with a sense of, you know what, I've got to figure out what God has for me now. I don't have the same capacity I did before before Taylor was killed. I don't have the same, I can't focus as long. I can't, but that's good because then I slow down and I can think things through at a different level. But for me, where, where it all starts, this whole idea of brokenness and authenticity starts is, is in theology. We have to understand the idea of original sin, inherited sin, call what you want, that we start out broken. Because if we don't have that theological premise uh, rightly stated in our lives, then we're not going to have grace. We're going to run ahead of God. But if you want to live in brokenness and really see God work, just admit you're broken because the Bible says you are. But, but people don't like to admit that. It's hard. It's hard to admit that. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I think that, you know, there's that classic phrase, you know, God writes straight with crooked lines. You know, it's like life beats up on you, your experiences, you would never wish them on anyone. And and like you just said, your perspective is to find, you know, it can either totally kill you and you be in a corner and you don't come out or it's like, hey, what's God doing in my life through this? Uh, how's he trying to make, it's like the Romans eight, like it's God's will to conform you to the image of his son. How is my pain right now helping me conform to the image of Jesus and, and get wrestling that perspective is actually super tough. And, and you taught me though, what, what I love about, um, what I love about what you taught me is, you know, I, so, so my dad passed away when I was 15, we didn't really get into that, but, uh, and then I had this stepdad that raised me and he was awesome. And he passed away, but the second week of village. Um, and so I kind of, the, the daddy wound thing, I don't know if you got a daddy wound thing. I think your dad's yeah. um, it was awesome, but I, you know, I got the daddy wound thing and it's like, you know, when I get up and this is an analogy for all of us, I think, but when I get up and preach, even when I was a 29 year old kid wearing a hoodie and sneakers and I'm up in front of all these adults who, you know, like we said, look perfect and whatever. There's something about, look, this guy lost his father when he was 15. He has a mental disorder that, you know, I'm praying for his wife. Um, it's like, there's a credibility that comes with that, right? Because when I'm preaching now, I'm not a perfect 29-year-old kid who's never had any problems, and when people come in and they've been through divorce and they've lost parents and it's not like, oh, here's this kid. He's just riffing, yelling at everybody, but he's never actually experienced life. And so when I talk to preachers, especially young preachers, I say, make sure like if it's your, if let's say it's your first Sunday or whatever, make sure that you weave in the stories of brokenness. Like one of our young guys, his, his father passed away of a heart attack instantly 
But if you just looked at him, you'd think he was the most fun loving chipper guy and he'd never experienced pain. And so make sure early on you're connecting with your audience about pain in your life because you're going to gain a credibility that you could never gain by five point sermons and funny stories. Yeah. And that's, we've got to do that in churches. We have to talk about woundedness. We have to talk about our brokenness. There are people sitting in our pews that are struggling with pornography who have given up hope in their marriages, who have lost confidence in themselves, who don't think that God is even involved with their lives anymore. And they're sitting there and they're playing the Christian game. And nobody knows because they're not free to talk about it. They're not in relationship. They're not in community. The pastor on the pulpit is not giving them that permission you're talking about to even be thinking about it. But unless we do, then these people are going to stay hurting and they're going to miss, you know, know, one of the things I really appreciate about Paul Tripp is, you know, his thing is grace, 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 grace. And unless unless you know you're broken, you can't receive grace. But it, but it starts with us as leaders, creating that culture. I agree with you. I uh, think about, I won't name any names because I don't know your, who your audience likes, but you know, you think about the great radio preachers of our time uh, and you could listen to a couple of them exegete verse by verse through the Bible and you could listen to them for 20 years and not learn one thing about their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating to me. Yeah, Like I've listened to some of these guys for 10 years. It's like, I don't know if you have kids. I don't know if you're married. I don't know anything about your life. I don't know any mistakes you've ever made, but you're teaching me the word. And it's like, yeah, but there's no broke. There's no, like, I'm not, you know, I'm not open to, I don't think anything's wrong with you. Your life looks perfect. Uh, Yeah. And I just don't think that's what we want to try to convey as leaders. Yeah. I think the first guy that, really in this kind of modern era that we live in, in this kind of neo-reformed era, when Mark Driscoll came on the scene, um, and, and Mark did a lot of really good things before trouble started at Mars Hill, but he, I think, was the first one to really come up there and say, listen, I, I'm screwed up. And that drew a lot of people. And, if you know, on the West Coast, cities like Portland, Seattle, Vancouver, some would say those inner cores are unreachable. But the guys like him were able to penetrate the court. You're doing that now. Our friend Norm Funk did that right downtown Vancouver. And it's all about that kind of authenticity. People are just drawn to that, especially when they don't know what they're looking for, which is the case in the West Coast for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, well, it's, it's like here on the West Coast, they're more open to spirituality. So when I grew up in Toronto, it's like, don't talk to me about spirituality, right? It's like, there's no God, atheism, whatever. Here, it's more like open to religion, open to the spiritual. Hey, karma jars, I connect to the ocean right. and the birds and the mountains and I talk to the spirits of mm-hmm. the water, you know, whatever. And it's like, okay, now I got to take vague spirituality and, and, and try to get it to be specifically Christian, you know, and that's part of the challenge too. So every week I speak to both kind of the older brother and younger brother analogy that you know tim keller talks about every preacher should be talking to the older brother and the younger brother in the prodigal son story it's like you got to be the 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 liberal secular e-religious atheistic guy you need to be able to preach to them and the older brother spiritual religious been in church my whole life both of them need the gospel and the tragedy of the prodigal son story is it's the religious guy who's left out in the end 
He never comes into the party because he's saying in front of the father, look at my record. Look at my performance. I did all this for you and you never threw a party for me. And the younger brother is a broken mess who's been sleeping with prostitutes and going, I got nothing. And the father goes, here's my robe. Mm -hmm. So how do we miss that in the midst of the church? I don't know. We'll be back to the conversation with Paul and Mark Clark in just a moment. My name is Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media, and we are so proud to be a co-sponsor of this program. For more about our work, you can log on to www.lifesupportresources.org. And now, back to Pastor Paul. It's because that's how we're wired. We're wired uh, to miss that, and it's so hard to allow ourselves to, to go there. So here you are now. You're um, you know, you're an established pastor, author. When Justin Trudeau says it's okay, you speak around the country. Um, what's the biggest challenge? You're fa- <laughs> what's the biggest challenge that you're facing right now as a pastor who's, you know, kind of at this place? You still you still have Tourette's. You still have some of the same stuff that you've been, but you've learned how to use that. I think more. You've learned how to. That that's a, actually a tool you can use, right? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. There's so many so many angles to take that. So it's like, uh, you know, there's the First Corinthians idea where Paul says, you know, I prayed multiple times that the Lord takes it, and he, he just has this thorn in my side and thorn in my flesh, and that's me. You know, I've prayed, hey, take my Tourette's, and the Lord's like, no, because uh, you know, and the, and the kind of when I when I talk about it at conferences, I talk, I try to talk about it because when you're up there, when it's not your own church people are watching you twitch your face around. They're like, what is wrong with this? This guy's had too much coffee. He's on drugs, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, here's the deal. And then, you know, I say, I've prayed that the Lord take it. And the Lord's like, no, I like it. Because when, when 90 people get baptized in a park, it's clear to everybody that it's not because of you, but it's only because of me. So when you look small, I look big and that's what I like, you know? So there's this sense of like, I'm not going to take it from you because I want to, you know, use it. So, but, but right now I think uh, I face all the challenges that you and everybody, every other leader is facing in regard to all the controversy. Everyone's just been sitting in their house and everyone's ticked off and ready to fight and be divisive. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, I get DMS from people uh, about the most random things that I say in a sermon. It's like really 45 minutes of, of Bible teaching and you took the random funny offside joke comment I make and you're going to like leave the church over it like what are we talking about anymore and everyone's mad at everybody like I'm ready and I I don't think I can do this but I was thinking now that we're regathering I was thinking I was actually going to get up and make a rule you can give me some advice on this I don't I don't (laughs) think this is probably a good idea uh, in the midst of people who are afraid of the authority of the government right now but I was going to make a rule like in the foyer or foyer, sorry for your audience, uh, in the lobby, um, don't, you can't talk about COVID, you can't talk about vaccines, because it's just going to be divisive. Yeah, Everyone gets in the end, they scream and they yell and everyone gets yeah. mad. And I can't tell you, as you know, I get to meet, one of my emails is I need to be the spokesperson for the anti-vax movement. And the next email is I need to be the spokesperson for the medical community. And I'm like, I can't be the spokesperson for either of these because Romans 14 says I got to reach the people who eat meat and the people who don't eat meat. 
-hmm. And I can't get up and start busting everyone's horns about this. So um, it's a very divisive time, whether it's race, whether it's uh, vaccine stuff, whether it's COVID stuff, everyone's looking for a fight. And it's going to be interesting getting back together and, and figuring out how to navigate well, in Canada, too, you've got the whole indigenous uh, residential school issue now that has surfaced again, which is just ugly. And that's going to be another point of division now uh, in Canada. 100%. This is, in a sense, this is our, to a lesser degree, our George Floyd moment, because you can't, you, you, you try to speak about it and you get people say, oh, why are you speaking about it? You know, and so even being a nation, I, I, so we, we are, for those of you, so we have these campuses in these different provinces, right? So we have Toronto now that we're starting, we have Winnipeg, we have Calgary, and we have British Columbia. So I don't know, that's Chicago, you know, wherever across America to, to make the... Well, you're close in Winnipeg. I mean, uh, we can drive there. We'll, we'll, we'll drive to the campus. Right. So you got Winnipeg and then you got, so when you're, where you're at and then New York and then LA and Oregon, you know, whatever in, in regard to mentality. And so you, you make a statement about something and it lands differently in Toronto than it does in Calgary because one's like loves kind of this kind of politics and the other loves this kind of politics. So you make a statement as simple as like, we want to reach out to the indigenous community. We want to love on them. We want to be listening because we have basically ignored all of this. And then you get the, what's going on? Are you guys turning into, and it's like, yeah, what are you talking about right yeah, now? Yeah. You know, it's, it's weird times, man. I think, I think we have to just, you know, for, for number one, for those listening that have a pastor that you care about, pray for your pastor. Number two, if you are a pastor, just be true to who you are. Keep your eyes on Christ. Focus your congregation on Jesus and, and ride this out because there, there will be a time when things calm down a little bit. And my fear is, Mark, a lot of guys are just going to say enough is enough. I'm out of here because I, I can't do this anymore. A hundred percent. I've, you know, between me and you and whoever's listening. The fence post. This has been a year where, you know, we, we I'm sure you have too, where I've thought, Let's just start selling insurance. Yeah. No, don't, please don't do that. You're anointed to do what you do. And you are an amazing leader. You're an amazing uh, man of God. The one thing I appreciate about you so much is I, I never, never once had to worry when we were planting her now about your character. Um, you love Jesus. You're a great dad and you're really a good author. And so tell me about the latest book that you have out right now. Yeah, the problem of Jesus. Uh, it's it came out in February. It's exploring kind of everything about Jesus that I could think people needed to know, both for the skeptic uh, and the believer. So it's like the you know for me, it's it's a tool to like, hey, let's read a chapter a week and go out for coffee with my non-Christian, unchurched, de-church friend and chat about Jesus. And then there's a lot in there for like the devotional life of the believer who's like. Hey, maybe Jesus isn't who I thought he was. What was his message? What was he about? How do the miracles work? How do the parables work? How do you know all of that? You know, one of the how does discipleship work? I have a chapter on discipleship. One of the things I actually found in the research for the book was I I had never read many books on loving God, and yet you have this commandment. You know, hey Jesus, what's the most important thing? You know, love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, strength, and it's like, yeah, what is that? And so I have two chapters on loving God is maybe the most important part of faith. 
You know, the, the, the most important ingredient in saving faith is actually love for God, as Jonathan Edwards said. So anyway, so some fascinating things that I even, you know, learned exploring and researching for the book that really connecting with people, like people message me all the time. They're like, this thing's changing my life. This thing's changing my life. So, well, when I arrived here at Ridgewood five years ago, we had some of our small groups using your stuff. And, and I said, I know that guy. Oh, it was all before you, before you introduced it, you mean? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. They were already using it. Oh, love it. Oh, that's so I said, you don't need me. I just, you know, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. <laughs> um, so where can we get the book? Uh, Amazon. It's a little startup company. Uh, they're just trying okay. to kind of make it out of a, make it out of a garage, but amazon.com or uh, the problem of Jesus, actually probably the better place. The problem of Jesus.com is the better place to go because uh, Zondervan's created a whole, probably five or six different products out of this thing. So there's like a video series now where I actually teach through all the content uh, on video. And then there's like small group books, workbooks, online courses. There's a whole thing. So that's probably actually the better place to go. It's sure great catching up with you, man. Thanks great so much for being with us. Thank you for having me, sir. And I'd uh, love to do this again. All right. That's Mark Clark. And, and listen, I want you to be encouraged by what Mark is saying, because God has his hand on you. He loves you, Jeremiah 1.8. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. So, you know, you may have a disability. You may have some really tough things that you're facing, but God has a plan for you. He loves you, and when you walk with him, he'll lead you where you need to go. I want to thank our partners for helping us put this together, Faith Radio. I want to thank Five Stone Media. That's where you can watch a video of this podcast, FiveStoneMedia.com. And you can check us out on the Ridgewood website as well, MyRWC. So again, thanks for being with us, and we'll see you next time right here on Life Support. Thanks for listening to this Life Support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.